Kayleen, I want to thank you for that word, because I think, I think that's what God is up to in this restoration series in part. Um, he's restoring things to the way he wants them to be, and you're absolutely correct that we are to be those who are not content until our God does abundantly more than, than we've got worldview for, and we bless him for that. Um, so we're in this series about restoration. We're being restored What a beautiful thing. Last week we heard about um, Jesus restoring the power over sick and sickness and even death. We heard the story of the resurrection of of a girl. Um, And Pastor Dave talked to us about faith and this relationship that exists between our faith and what we see God do. Um, And in many ways I think that the sermon that's coming today is tied to it. They're, They're almost bookended and so... Come with us on this journey. I'm going to be reading this morning from Matthew 9, verses 27 to 34, if you want to get your Bibles out. It comes directly after our passage from last week. So Jesus is on quite a holy roll um, with miracles in this passage. Matthew 9, starting at 27. Now remember, Jesus is in Capernaum. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, See that no one knows about this. But they went out and they spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Before we dig in, I'm hoping we've got a video on cue to get us started. So, real brief, I don't think it needs an introduction.
Nathan. Christian. Christian. Open your eyes, buddy. Hi. 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 Hi, Munchkin. <laughs> you like them? Like I don't even know if they're upside down. They look upside down. Hi. Let's try it again. Oh, that's right. They okay. have things. Okay. Hi. Yeah, you got to come down more. There you go. <laughs> oh. Hi. You like them, huh? <laughs> you like your glasses? You can see now. You can see. Hi. Maybe we can feel a little bit of the joy. Um, sight is such a tremendous gift. And to see people receive vision for the first time, can you imagine the joy that there must have been? I think it's really hard for um, most of us to imagine being blind. Um, to not be able to see trees and flowers to not know where the path starts or ends, to not know what your mother looks like or your children or your loved ones, to stumble around in darkness and learn to listen for voices and sounds that the rest of us don't even know are there because we've got eyes, eyes to see. And in today's modern world, we don't see blindness very often because we have medical advances that allow for that to be dealt with. But in the ancient world, I think blindness was a whole different thing. It was a problem that very rarely had a solution. It came with a stigma. It was often assumed that if a child was blind, it meant that their parents had somehow sinned or caused that. And in the ancient world, there wouldn't have been much work or opportunity for blind people. There's a reason that most blind people discussed in the New Testament are called beggars, because that was their option. So here you have two grown men who are blind. They've got no hope. And so it's no wonder that they followed Jesus. Now I want you to imagine this with me. Let's imagine what's going on here. So you've got two blind men who hear a crowd forming. And there's a lot of noise interrupting. Now you got to think, they didn't see the resurrection that we talked about last week with their own eyes. They didn't see that woman receive healing on the street that we heard about last week. They've just heard it. They've heard testimony. They've heard the buzz of the crowds. They've somehow stayed together and followed this crowd, grabbing cloaks, asking questions. What's going on? Who is here? Who is he? What's happening? Now, the text tells us that they're calling out, and the verb tense there is for ongoing consistency. So they're literally chasing after him, stumbling through this crowd, yelling, Jesus. They're saying exactly, have mercy on us, son of David. Have mercy, son of David. What's interesting about this is that even though they're blind and they can't even see his face, these are the first people since the Magi 
the wise men in Jesus' toddlerhood to declare him as Lord. We don't see anyone else call him Messiah, son of David, until two blind men see him internally for who he is. They're blind on the outside, but they're not blind on the inside. So they follow Jesus, and they're following him. And I don't know if Jesus hears them yelling. I don't know, but it says that he goes inside. He goes inside his home. And so these blind men persistently keep yelling and follow Jesus into his inner dwelling. They pursue Jesus right into the heart of his home. And they come to him. And Jesus hears them, and he looks at them, and he asks, You know, I've heard you say that I'm the Messiah. But do you believe that I can do this? Jesus loves to hear us profess that we believe. And he loves us to speak what we believe. And so these blind men, they say, yes, Lord. And then Jesus says something really kind of peculiar. I think we're used to hearing this, so we don't think about it. But he says, literally what he says is, according to your faith, Let it be done to you. According to how you see and understand me, says Jesus, according to how you see and understand you, and according to how you see and understand my ability and willingness to do things for you and with you, according to all of that understanding, let it be done. And what happens? They're healed. So this means that these two men believe that Jesus is Lord, that he loved them enough to do a miracle for them, and that he was able to do that. And we see healing. It's, it's almost as if Jesus is drawing from a lesson in Proverbs. Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinks in his heart, So he is. There's something about what we understand inside that works itself out on the outside. Is this making sense? Okay. So as we noted, the the concept of faith, Hebrews 11 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. So we know things that we don't see. And that means that we know who our Lord is. That means we know who he says we are, even if it doesn't feel like we're there yet. That means we know what he can do and what he wants to do, and we live that way until we see it out here. Isaiah 61 tells us that Jesus came to release the prisoners from darkness. Now, darkness goes with blindness, and sight goes with light. So being blind is a form of captivity, spiritual blindness. Now the thing about blindness, you saw on the video, those children had no idea what they didn't know. They had no idea that they didn't see mom's face clearly. No idea that they didn't see trees or flowers. We don't know what we don't know. We know that the enemy comes to bring darkness and that Jesus came to bring light. Paul talks about this really clearly 
in 2 Corinthians 4. And I just want to read this real quick. He says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said light, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the night, the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now, most of us aren't unbelievers. We're here because we believe. So I don't believe that any of us are completely blind. And yet we're coming out of a world that has been blinded. And so just as Kayleen said, don't be content until we're restored. As we grow in our relationship with the Lord, layers of blindness get stripped off. And we get to see him more clearly and understand more clearly. And again, we don't know what we don't know. And so as I've been looking through this text, I noticed that this is true for the Pharisees, right? Their worldview does not allow for a Jesus who delivers demons, people from demons. So if you look at this story about um, the second story about the demonized man who could not speak, the way that Jewish culture, that Jewish leaders did exorcisms was that they would demand that the demon identify their name and then be chased out. And so by that rule, a demonized person who could not speak was impossible to deliver because they would never give you the name. And so this person had just been cast off. This is an unsolvable problem. And so for Jesus to deliver this person, this, these, these Pharisees are sitting here going, this is impossible. And so therefore, I don't have faith to believe that something good is happening here. This is bad. And they were blinded. They don't know what they don't know. And so as I've been thinking through this text, I find myself wondering, God, are there things that I don't know that I don't know? One of the definitions that was given of of faith or unbelief, spiritual blindness, as I was reading the commentaries, was that spiritual blindness means an inability to see what God has for us. And so this morning, I believe that God wants to restore sight. And I also believe that God wants to restore voice. So it's, it's not a coincidence that you've got someone having their vision restored and someone having their words restored at the same time. Because... When we believe something inside, we speak it, or we live it, we pray it, we name it. Just as Chess said, I believed things about my kids that they didn't believe. I believe that God wanted to restore them. And now it's here. If we believe, we speak, and we see. So God is restoring sight. He's restoring our ability to speak out because he wants to restore us and the world around us. I've got a few things. <laughs> um, a list of things that can cause spiritual blindness. Um, and I offer them as examples. 
as we explore our own hearts and invite the Lord to explore our own hearts. And I'm giving it a preface because I don't want this to feel really like heavy or critical. I want it to come as an invitation because our God wants us to see him clearly and he wants us to understand ourselves clearly and he wants us to live into the fullness that he has. And so um, I actually just want to pray before I even list these. God, I'm thinking about um, when you go to the eye doctor and there's those little lenses that pop up and down and things get blurrier or clearer. Um, And so, Lord, I thank you that you want us to have clear vision. And I thank you that it's your good gift to us to give us clear vision. Lord, I ask that you would come with your peace. I ask that you would open our eyes and our ears to see clearly and to hear you. And Lord, I ask that you would um, sit next to each one of us as Father this morning and help us to see any ways in which you'd like to reveal clearer vision for each one of us. So we're just going to invite you, Lord, to stay with us as we think through these. One thing that causes spiritual blindness is simply not knowing. So, Lord, if there are things about you, about how you view us, about how you operate that we don't know, Lord, we ask that you would come and that you would show us those things. And, Lord, even if they don't come today, I ask that you would help us to run into those things that we would hear the right message or turn to the right page in Scripture? Or would you expand what we know? Another thing that can cause spiritual blindness, another lens, is any kind of unforgiveness, bitterness, or hatred. First John 2, 9-11 says that he who hates his brother walks in darkness. And God, hate and bitterness are things that we bury real deep and we don't know that they're there. God, if we can't um, love others, if we can't do that, we don't receive your love, we don't give your love, and we're blinded. So Lord, if there are areas where we've got hatred or bitterness or unforgiveness buried deep, I pray that you would expose those. And that you would pour out your grace, pour out your mercy, and help us to do that. Another thing that causes spiritual blindness is pride. And pride is defined as an excessive interest in self, and that can look two ways. Pride can be... um, all about me, look at me, how great I am, and then we stop looking at God and others. And pride can also be this sort of veiled insecurity where we're more worried about how we're being perceived or celebrated or viewed than what God is doing. And I'll just confess that that's my thing. I get so worried about me that it blocks me from seeing what God is doing. And so, Lord, we lift our eyes to you. 
And I ask that if there is pride that keeps us in blindness, in darkness, that you would expose that for us this morning and that you would speak to us clearly what we need to hear to keep our eyes fixed on you. Another lens that causes spiritual blindness is judgment. The Pharisees passed judgment on Jesus and it kept them blind. So Lord, if we're bent a certain way to pass judgment in ways that keeps us stuck and blind, would you expose those, whether we think certain things about groups of people or ideas or how you work? Lord, release us from judgment. Another lens that keeps us blind is hardness of heart. We've had negative experiences of unanswered prayers. Our hearts get hard. We've been hurt. Our hearts get hard. And hardness can keep us blind. I think there's a lot of other lenses, but the last one I want to name is evil spirits. We heard testimony several weeks ago of Scott saying, I was delivered from an evil spirit that had my mind spinning and I was blind to things and now I can think clearly. Evil spirits can blind us and so, um, Lord, I ask if those are present that you would reveal those to us and give us next steps about what walking in your freedom and your light looks like. God, we thank you for the way that you came to set the prisoner free. We thank you for the ways that you came to bring light to that which is dark. And God, we thank you that as we get to see your goodness, we get to live into your goodness. Layer by layer, bit by bit. And so God, I want to continue to invite your searchlight to shine. And finally, Lord, um, I ask you to speak clearly to each one of us about what we should believe. We're, We're so quick to ask, God, what should I do? And the question is, what should I believe? Lord, would you give each one of us a word about what you're inviting us to have faith in and believe in this morning. Open our eyes to hear or to see and our ears to hear.